Hey there. Welcome to Just to Be Nominated, a podcast about movies distributed by Lee Enterprises. The show is hosted by me, Chris Lay, podcast operations manager for Lee, along with Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter for multiple decades who is currently the editor of the Sioux City Journal, and Jared McNett, a reporter for the Globe Gazette in Mason City, Iowa. Most of the time, we pick five of our favorite films on a theme or concept and go back and forth hashing them all out. This time, we're taking one last look at our Oscar picks before the red carpet gets rolled out on Sunday evening, and we're going to be passing our predictions on to you. We don't agree across the board, of course, but it's that kind of tension that gives spice to life, right? Make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you can hear our reactions to the winners, losers, everything in between on Monday morning. Now, here it is. Our show kicks off after this short pause. Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. We got Bruce Miller, Livewire, coming in from the Sioux City Journal. And we got Jared McNett from the Globe Gazette in Mason City, Iowa. I'm uh, flying high on uh, Coke Zero Cherry. The official drink of the Oscar podcast. It is, yes. Or as Bob Rainey would say, I'm not going on until I get a Coke. That's a good policy. Yeah. If that's all that she had on her rider, then, I mean, that's that's a slam dunk right there. I don't, I don't know how they, they screwed up the Coke thing. It's in mine. She got three Cokes out of the whole thing, and I could go for three, too. I mean, David Lee Roth is out there demanding green M&Ms still, so... Stupid. So this is the last time that we're going to touch base before the Oscars ceremony on Sunday. Yep. And we'll be on Monday. We'll have a follow up episode with our thoughts on the actual ceremony itself and all the uh, all the other goodies, whatnot. And like since the last time that we we talked, like two weeks ago, I think the only shift I can see is maybe like promising young woman has a look seems to have a little bit more traction. Anthony Hopkins has a little edge since he won the bath for the father. Yeah. And that gives that maybe it could happen, but I don't think I, you can't, you can't not give it to Chadwick Boseman. And if you do that, you're mean, evil people. You need to give it to Chadwick Boseman. Following the goldderby.com, the odds there, I, it looked like the father jumped up a notch or two in the adapted screenplay category. If he gets anything, he's getting best actor, and that's it. Nothing for the uh, actress? Uh, you mean the, Olivia Colman? Yeah, isn't she nominated? Uh, yeah, but she already got one. She doesn't need one. We've got too many in that category that are needy. We're, we've got to get right to the point of this whole thing. Okay, you got um, Glenn Close. If you're talking needy, there's eight nominations that haven't been paid off. If you're going to go in that direction, you're giving it to Glenn. But I don't think she's getting it either, and I think she's fine with that. Because what she really would like, now this is me projecting, is a Best Actress win, not necessarily supporting. Right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what she's deserved in the past for any number of things. And also, would, would you really want to win for that movie? Like, you know that's not your best work. Would you turn it around? Would you turn the Oscar around then if you won it for that? I would take the nameplate off for what the movie is. Oh, no, it was, it was a good one. I won for a good one. Yeah. Not for Hillbilly Ellis. No, that was just in there. Yes. You know, what she's been doing this year is wearing old dresses for things. So maybe she's coming up with an old dress. 
but she should have won for the wife. That was that was criminal. And oddly enough, who beat her for that? Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman, and it shouldn't have happened. Eef. And then we could have had this one, but I digress. You know what I was looking at too? I was looking at a list of Oscar uh, winners and how old they were when they died. You know, because Chadwick Boseman will be probably one of the youngest posthumous recipients. And the oldest, uh, Anthony Hopkins, I believe it would be the oldest winner if he wins. But get this, how old do you think Clark Gable and Vivian Lee were when they died? Wow. Uh, and I think that this is where that was going. I'm going to say like in their 80s. Okay. And what do you say, Chris? I mean, I'm going to say 60s, maybe? 53 for Vivian Lee, 59 for Clark Gable. Didn't they seem ancient back in the day? And I thought, wow, imagine that, you know? So this whole age thing that's coming out with the, um, with the Oscars. But I don't think it's going to be a factor. And I do think if we're talking best supporting actress, Minari, Minari, it's going to happen. Yeah, there doesn't seem like there's anything there that's going to divide the vote. Um, if anything, I mean, the, the two stray things that might cause a little bit of a ruckus would be Maria Bakalova, who, again, fantastic that, that she's nominated. I don't, I don't know how many, you know, Hollywood debuts on that level are immediately given Oscar nominations and then Glenn Close as well. Those are the two real X factors, but I don't, I, I don't see. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to and, and I think it's really cool to see, um, and I, you know, I always butcher her name, so maybe we'll all learn how to pronounce her name correctly when she wins. But she, they were happy for her at the last one. Glenn Close started applauding right away when she won the BAFT, when uh, Yoo Jun Yoon, is that how it's pronounced? Uh, or as they call her, YJY. Um, when she won the BAFTA, Glenn was like leading it. She was like thrilled and tickled that she won. And I think that's a good thing. And she's the reason that the movie really kind of takes a turn it's exciting it gives minari a win we don't have to worry about that movie it's a good yeah one. eugene yun has also been uh, the publicity rounds that she's been making have been a lot of fun kind of on, on the same level of mads mickelson in the just kind of casually saying ridiculous yet relatable things uh i think what she's Eugene, speaking at the right time yeah i think eugene Yun, i mean she said like you know yeah i just with the uh the pandemic's been great i just get to sit in bed and watch tv all day i mean it's just like the most like casual uh you know old pair of comfy slippers type <laughs> type person so good for her i i want her to win i hope it's not somebody that i never even considered you know amanda seyfried another year yeah yeah, I mean, she's young. She's got a lot of a lot of uh, movies in her future. Right. She did that one riding in cars with dogs or something. Come on. You're thinking of um, Marley and Me? No, she had some riding in a car with a dog thing. I think it was with um, Milo Ventimiglia not too long ago. The only thing I think of is, is uh, what riding in cars with boys, which was, that was Winona Ryder, yeah, the, wasn't uh, it? No, Drew Barrymore is a Penny Marshall movie. Yeah, from like uh, 2000. Steve Zahn was also in it. And uh, and James Woods. I'm so glad that you had that information right there. Like there there was no frantic Googling. There was, I mean, it was just right there on the tip of your tongue. 
jumping right well, out. I don't I don't know. That's one of those just like movies from the 2000s I remember, even though I only saw it one time and couldn't tell you anything about the plot, but I know who was in it. The movie is The Art of Racing in the Rain. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the movie that she was in with a dog. I feel like, like, like you're, you're maybe not in, in the same neighborhood, but you're like definitely in, in, the, same, in the same town. It was a dog who wanted to ride in a car. That's all it was. It was a dog riding in a car. Man, there's no, no, no dramatic tension there. No. Should we, uh, oh, I was going to say, should we go into our picks? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Have we all agreed? Are we agreeing on Chadwick Boseman? Yeah. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman for actor. And I, it sounds like we're all in agreement with Eugene Yun for supporting actress. Yep. Yep. Now let's see if we're going to maybe shake things up and disagree. How about best supporting actor? Daniel Kaluuya. I also have Daniel Kaluuya for that one. I'm, I'm right there. That's another one. We're all, we're all going to be on that one uh, together. Right. Best actress. Carrie Mulligan for promising young woman. Okay. I think that Viola Davis is going to sneak in there and get it from her because they've been doing, you could, even when you saw her, she was on 60 minutes on Sunday night and that's kind of a prestige area to get in there. And they, the voters, I think had to turn in their ballots. Was it Monday or Tuesday of this week? I think they see that this is a classy broad who deserves to win. And then she would have two. It'd be great. Carrie Mulligan, you know, as much as everybody's been trumpeting this, she hasn't won. She won a Critics' Choice Award. Right. Like she suddenly got the Golden Globe or anything. I think Andra Day could even slip in and beat her. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, and this is my, my analogy with this is, remember when um, Greta Gerwig was so big and it was like, oh, Greta Gerwig, she's going to win everything with this. And her film got nothing. Yeah. You know, and so I think they talk a lot about this, but I don't necessarily know that they come through. If they are going to give Promising Young Woman anything, it'd be screenplay. Which if they're not going to carry one. Mm-hmm. But I, I just have this gut instinct that Viola Davis is going to get it. I don't know. Chris, what do you think? I, I feel like it is a toss-up between Carrie Mulligan and Viola Davis. My pick as of right now is Carrie Mulligan. And part of that is maybe me trying to play the numbers a little bit because I feel like that might be... I feel like Viola Davis is expected to win and there's got to be some kind of shakeups. And I think that Carrie Mulligan winning would be enough of a shakeup to cause some interest. And it's also, there has been over the past, you know, the week leading up to the votes being turned in and tallied and whatnot by uh, Pitney Bowes or wherever the, the company is that tallies everything up. Um, it's, Price Waterhouse. Price Waterhouse. And which, you know, I mean, let's just keep, yeah, keep them on board even after they screwed up the Moonlight thing. But yeah, I think, yeah, Carrie Mulligan. And she also, she did great on SNL. Not that that is any kind of right. bellwether. Well, that's, that's a bellwether. Um, I wonder if Frances McDormand doesn't pull it out. What if there's this huge sweep for Nomadland? And she gets, she won the BAFTA. Just saying. I, I don't see that happening. I mean, I, it's, it's certainly not out, out of the realm of possibilities, but, and you've, note, you've noted this vocally a few times in the past, Bruce, but 
Francis McDormand has just taken a huge step back from actually campaigning for it. And maybe that's what they like. You never know where they kind of will surprise you with the one who did the least amount of campaigning is going to get it. Yeah. Just a thought. Jared, you're not on that table. I'm casting my lot to carry Mulligan. I am too. We've got two carries and one Viola. Yep. Yes. And I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Day wins because that would make a great moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to jump down a little bit into the screenplay, because we mentioned Promising Young Woman, uh, that is also... Up against Nomadland, isn't uh, it? For Promising Young Woman is original screenplay. So that is up against... I'd say like the biggest competition that that's got is The Trial oh. of the Chicago 7, which is my pick. Trial of the Chicago 7 for original screenplay. Uh, part of this might be a little bit of uh, just wish casting on my part, but... Uh, I do not have uh, Trial of the Chicago 7. That's the other one that I had uh, Promising Young Woman for. Um, like I said, in the past, we've, we've talked about this before, screenplay is one sometimes where, like, there can be some, like, weird kind of surprises or, like, newcomers kind of getting their, like, you know, initial plaudits. And I think if Promising Young Woman wins anything, that would be one of the ones that would make the most sense is um, original screenplay. Jojo Rabbit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, I think I don't think that they're going to give it to um, Aaron Sorkin as much as he'd like them to. And he did write a lot. So if you're going by volume, it's a lot. But they like Emerald Fennell. And I think they think that this might be a really good way to encourage her in the business. I could see Promising Young Woman and I would be happy with that. I would be happy with that getting um, screenplay because it's so unusual and it didn't kind of play out like most revenge films do. It had a different twist and, and you still talk about it, but I don't know that it's best picture. Yeah. Bruce, you're saying that Promising Young Woman is going to get screenplay? I think it okay, will. So I'm, I'm the squeaky wheel here with Trial of the Chicago 7 for original screenplay. Now, adapted screenplay, I mean, it's got to be Nomadland, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it kind of is, because I, you know, did I, did I tell you I wrote, I read the book? No, I, I thought I gotta check this out to see how you know is she just pulling crap from this and calling it good, and it's a whole different world. I mean, she captures the world that's in there, but it goes into more detail about these people, and she kind of creates the Frances McDormand character from all those other people, so you get. There is writing there. It isn't just let's put the camera in front of a real nomad and have them talk. There's a, a lot there that she's done with it. So I think it, it does deserve um, adapted screenplay. I still have a hard time with the idea of adapted versus original. With Trial of, of the Chicago 7, where half of that is you know court transcriptions. Like, is that is that not adapting something? I don't, I mean... It's, uh, I understand that there's a lot of finesse there and it isn't necessarily based on a specific work. Right. But it seems like if you're taking something that is in the historical record and making that into a film, there's a certain adaptation there, but neither here nor there. Maybe they don't want that as a source. You know, that could be... It has to be a book, it has to be a play, it has to be something else. But you look at Borat is adapted. <laughs> you know, yep. how are they going to do that? They had like 20 writers on that thing. 
really? I should have gotten a line in on that. You know, if I was standing in one of those crowds where they are singing and doing whatever, I probably could have gotten a line in and got on the list. Yep. That, to me, that's too many. If you have that many writers on a on a screenplay, you're not winning. Not a bad that's, rule of thumb. I think with the right, a good one? in in one sense that makes perfect sense because that means that it was in like if it's if it's a normal Hollywood film, then a whole lot of writing credits means that it went through a whole lot of revisions and was probably greenlit and then you know bumped back a few times for various reasons. Um, and then other people contractually just still have to get their, you know, Writers Guild credit through it, which not knocking it, but with Borat, I mean, I'm imagining an entire writer's room of folks that were involved in, you know, whatever jackass style comedy scenes or whatever. Yeah. Well, and they were, they were in trucks and things and they were kind of, when they were doing these kind of live in the moment moments, they would tell them things like, well, now say this. So is that writing or is that just good producing or directing? Yeah. I mean, how much of the scripts for Adam McKay films are technically his script if he's basically letting Will Ferrell just riff, you know, and then you take yeah. the best pick, which again, that's, that's their process, but it's not a, a settled capital S screenplay in the same sense of something like Pulp Fiction or, um, you know, One Night in Miami. Well, Arthur's theme, do you remember that song? It won, it won best song. And there was one line caught between the moon and New York City. That's all that person wrote and got the Oscar. And there were like five on that. So, I, you know, I, I like the approach of one there's where I would probably go with Aaron Sarkin, where it's one person having to kind of struggle through it. Cause we all know what that's like, you know? So I'm still going with Emerald on that one. Nomadland on the other. To jump down to best song. Is it Diane Warren's year? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I mean, she is our mascot, whether she knows it or not for this show. Uh, and so Losi from, the movie scene, I feel like we all kind of have to write that one in, but for the record, Speak Now, One Night in Miami has really locked into the top spot on Gold Derby for whatever value that might be. But I'm, I mean, Low C won the, won the Golden Globe. So we'll see. But that's, that's just because Leslie Odom Jr. wrote that. That's why they're going with that one. And it'd be a way of not, it's a consolation prize for not getting supporting actor. That's all I see that as, but it was a good song, but I don't think there's any song this year where you go, Oh my God, that is so good. It has to be best song. Yeah. None, none that's going to like endure past this year, past the ceremony even. Yeah. This is the year to pay off Diane. She didn't get it for the big monkey film. So this is, a, this is her chance. And hey, Sophia Loren, if she's going to be there, that'd be really cool. So let's jump up to the the top two. Unless there's, is there, are there any lower categories that are worth? Oh, Soul's going to win Best Animated Film. Yeah. Soul is your film. And I think Soul's going to win Best Soundtrack. Yeah, that feels like a layup also. Um, another one that, that feels like a layup, especially in part after I, I saw it, but then also just considering the way the nominations broke. I have a hard time believing that um, 
another round isn't going to win Best International Feature, considering the director, Thomas Venterberg, got nominated for Best Director. It seems like in the past when that happens, it's almost a certainty that uh, that movie's going to win for international film. And I, like I said, I watched it on Sunday, and honestly, it's been one of my favorite movies from 2020 that I've seen. So, so it was good. Yeah, I, I loved another round. It was really, really funny, and it like took the torn, the right kind of turn, like toward the serious in the movie, especially based on the the premise, which is a bunch of guys in their middle age deciding they're going to just be drunk at all times, basically. Um, and yeah, it was fantastic. P- perfect showcase for uh, for Mads. I'm trying to think. Did they talk about uh, Oscar predictions at the same time? Bunch of old guys talking about. <laughs> I mean, Thomas um, Vinterberg, didn't he? He came out of that, like, the Dogma 95, whatever thing, didn't? Was it the celebration? Did he do that? 98, yeah. Or no, he, he did He did the celebration that came out in 98. There we go. Which, celebration, that's another, if, if people have not seen the celebration, that is one of the most intense, <laughs> like, just black comedies that gets really dark and serious at the end and is gorgeous, mm-hmm. but that's... Weird little digression. I mean, but yeah, Thomas, would that make him one of the first like dogma guys to win? I would think so. Cause I know Lars von Trier hasn't won for anything no. at the Oscars and he would be the only one that would have won. Yeah. Now I'm trying to rack my brains. I feel like Lars von Trier would have maybe gotten nominated for something. Did Bjork maybe get a nomination for song? She won. Okay. She won. Is Harmony Corinne? I don't know how how hardline we want to be about the dogma, the class of dogma ninety five or whatever. Man, this is a digression I did not expect to go down. <laughs> Lars has not won the Oscar. No, uh, and Harmony Corinne, I don't think. And what would he've got nominated for? Maybe Spring Breakers. But he he didn't get nominated. No, he didn't get nominated at the Oscars for Spring Breakers. No. Beach Bum is underrated. Just as another random thought that I will throw out there for anyone, Beach Bum is underrated, and uh, we're recording this uh, on April a day late twenty first. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. so oh. international film. I'm I'm pulling it back. She was only nominated. She did not win for a song. So sorry, okay. York yes. didn't. She still has opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, then Thomas Interberger would be the first of those guys to, to win for something. I think so, yeah. Or be nominated. Yeah. So yeah, that, that one that one feels like a, a lock international film, uh, another round. Go ahead and put money on that one. For anyone who cares, the dogma was a what, Eastern European thing where you had to use natural light and only one microphone to record things. And it was all of these very strict rules in the the way that a movie was put together as a means of stripping down you know to the barest elements of of production and catching the the realist elements of of whatever story i don't know that's maybe neither here nor there but there every single quote-unquote dogma film breaks one of the rules at least in one or two places let's get off that topic yes we are doing a uh, film class the one that was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film and Best Cinematography, but it won neither of those. So there you are. Abe Froman, Sausage King of Chicago. <laughs> you knew where I was going, right? Uh, so one of the other, uh, I guess, 
categories maybe is best documentary feature. I think Octopus Teacher is going to win. That's got the most buzz. I'm rooting for time. I picked time. I think time had it, and then time caught up with it. Jared, do you look at any of those, or do you just say, yeah, pick one? I, I have not um, I've not actually seen any of those, so I don't even feel like, I'd feel like a fraud uh, picking anything for that category in particular. The, the one thing I will say, it feels like a lot of the years, like the uh, documentary is kind of like a, a correction of like the past year. Like they never pick, it doesn't seem like they pick a lot of dark documentaries right in a row, but they don't also pick a lot of happy ones right in a row. So I don't remember what won last year, but um, whatever won last year, tonally, whichever is the most different from that, go with that. Was one. it the, uh, the guy climbing the mountain? American Factory, that's what won last year. Was it? Well, then what was it solo? Was it solo? Yeah, free solo was the year before that. Okay, all right. Yeah. So it's been actually it's been a couple of years of some heavier stuff. So maybe maybe octopus. it is a good year for yeah it's for octopus time. teacher. Mm -hmm. teacher, and then um, for as much of a bummer or maybe not bummer that time is in. I mean, in, in it's a it's a monumental you know documentary film. I think just shot over such a long period of time, but. I mean, the subject matter is basically how wrecked the American penal system is and the, the American justice system by, uh, you know, direct connection to that. I saw that. I saw my octopus teacher. I saw Crip Camp. And I think Crip Camp is one of the ones that shines the biggest light on a, a subject that I think a lot of people don't appreciate as much. Did you see Crip Camp, Bruce? Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I, you know that I still like Boys State as one of the best documentaries. Didn't even get nominated. Yep. So, you know, I just got Apple Plus like signed up for that. So, once I'm done with Ted Lasso, I promise to watch Boys State. You know, these are the categories that you lose your Oscar pool in. This is a tough one because it seems like time could take it, but Octopus Teacher has the the edge going into it, and. Yeah, it's it's really hard to gauge interest because there isn't a you know Fahrenheit 9/11 uh, level or uh, Bowling for Columbine. That was the one that you won for, you know, thing that's like coming yeah, and taking over you know, the, the discourse. Think about it now. They've all been home, stuck in their houses, watching the big screen, and Octopus Teacher has this great cinematography. They go, I think I like that. I think that was a good one. I think I'm going to vote for that one. And then they put on the heavier ones and they go, mm, I'm going to turn this off because I don't need anything that's too real. It's just a, a shot of what the way, the way they vote. Is Tenet a lock for best visual effects? I think yes. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Isn't that funny? Give it to and me. It could have been best picture if the year had been different. <laughs> That's how strange this is. But you know, here's the other thing too. Where is Mank gonna be? Mank is gonna get sets, I think. But what else? I picked Mank for hair and makeup. Over Ma Rainey. Yes. But you know that Pinocchio thing, they look good. They really look good. How you, that kid looks like a real wooden boy. And it was all done with makeup. Has anyone seen that Pinocchio movie? Okay. Like, I don't know anyone else that's seen that For movie. the listener, Bruce nodded his head. <laughs> if they send it to you, you can look at it. 
you know, that's the, that's the trick. But I, I, there would be another one of those surprises where you think it's all going in this direction. Now, isn't the conventional wisdom that it's going to get, uh, Ma Rainey is going to get that one? That might be the conventional wisdom, but I am, that's another one where I'm hoping to, to get some points on a spoiler. My, uh, my, my only pick actually for, for Mank was actually, that was my uh, spoiler pick for, I don't know how much of a spoiler pick it is, but that's my pick for uh, best cinematography is Mank. I would like to see it win that. I really would. Even though Nomadland looks great, it's dark in areas. Sometimes they're at night too many times. But Mank, I kept looking, I even went up close to the screen to look at how they made everything in focus. You know, where like even the back part, and that's, it's the way they were able to do it. I thought that was a really creative way of messing with things. But Mank, can Mank really get more Oscars than the film it's about? Yes. Because Citizen Kane only got one. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically it was, I mean, two people got Oscars from it, but yes, it just got the, I mean, same thing with Pulp Fiction, you know, (laughs) for, I don't know how, where that, where that comparison necessarily begins or ends, but... Anyway, and um, and and for for what it's worth, uh, Mank actually won the cinematographer actually won for like won the award at the American Society of Cinematographers, which so, that feels at least a little predictive. So. Yeah, he could do it. He could do it. I mean, there's also I mean, Mank uh, Gold Derby has Mank uh, running at the very top for production design, which that's that's my pick for production It'll design. That. Or whatever yeah, because look at the ones that are up there. They had small sets. This is like a whole studio. And San Simeon. Come on. It's it's that is a lock. Production design is definitely a lock for Mank. And so are you guys to bring it back to I'm I'm saying Mank for best makeup and hair. Are you guys both Ma Rainey? No, I'm going to Ma Rainey. You sticking with Ma Rainey, Jared, or are you? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with that. That that makes sense. It's that that's one of those ones that like, and it's part of the reason too that Mank was on my mind for cinematography because like it's you know in black and white people can understand that for like best cinematography and like for costume design I think people can understand that for something like Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom versus like you know costume design for I don't know like if if like Sound of Metal or something I nominated for costume design, they'd be like, hey, what, what is this about? But you get it for like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or like, didn't Joker win for like make, best makeup and hairstyling? I think so. So yeah, like it, it, it's that kind of stuff that, that wins those categories. That's also a category where they, they tend to shoehorn like superhero blockbuster type things for whatever reason. I don't know how much, you know, kowtowing it might be, but you know, in years when you have these big spectacle films, you can casually kind of special effects yeah. they always win special effects awards now yeah, this, like a um like mad max fury road one for hair and makeup uh for the year it was out this is the year that they combine the sound um category so it isn't two separate sound categories it's just formally one. it was sound editing and sound design yeah and nobody knew what that was so they just put it back to being best sound and then people could figure it out so then you wouldn't be going well, aren't they just getting two for the same thing? So, uh, th- and that, come on, if you got sound in your title, you're probably going to win it. Yeah, and and I mean, it, it sounds like a, a little bit of a strange and kind of like nerdy thing to praise, but 
I mean, yeah, the, the, the sound design in that movie is absolutely incredible, like, throughout. Not just the way, like, the silences are used, but then even, you know, like, the way some other, like, noises and stuff are used once he gets, like, corrective surgery and everything. It, it, I was really kind of impressed by that as much as anything from that it movie. It put you in that that experience. It made you... Yeah, it, it really did. Yeah, it should win. It really should So, win. best sound, we got Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal is also leading for film editing. And it looks like the closest competitor, according to Gold Derby, is Trial of the Chicago 7. Trial of the Chicago 7 won the editing award. It'll That's where it'll get its prize. So you're saying Trial is going to top? Yep. Okay. Chloe is one that they talk about. She could win four because she edited her own mm-hmm. film. But she's not going to get that. She's going to get the two big ones. I'm going to say Trial as well for, for editing. How about you, Jared? On, it was long, and they made it seem like it wasn't that long. Um, well, you just don't want to give yeah. Sorkin anything. Is the <laughs> well, no, actually, I will go with that because um, no, that that makes sense. This, a nice uh, historical pick for for film editing. Why you not? See how everyone can get something. You don't have Titanic winning at all, and you go, oh god, that thing again. Yeah, those days are over. Yeah, I like sharing the wealth. I think it's good. Cool. I think we covered just about everything. Let's do the big one. We talked about costume design with Ma Rainey, right? Or you guys were saying yep. Mank. I said Ma Rainey. You said Ma Rainey. Jared? I went Ma Rainey okay. also on that one. Same. Just to make sure that we're all on the record with that. Um, cinematography. Uh, I think I said Mank. And there was Nomad. I would like Mank to get it, but I think, I think here you could see Nomadland winning it. Okay, jumping up. So we got best director. I mean, is there? It's Chloe Zhao, right? They have to give it to her. I mean, it's it's more than just directing a film. It's crafting a film, and she took this book that was basically a really long journalistic story and turned it into an emotional film that comments on the times that we are in and made it a visual feast. Yeah. I think she has to win. And come on, they've only given one woman best director in all these years. It's time. Much less a woman of color. Well, you know, and look at this year. Okay, if if Viola Davis, Daniel Kaluuya, Chadwick Boseman, and my dear friend from Minari win, that would be an all-minority acting quartet. That's fascinating to consider. And, and none really that anyone could, like, bemoan that much and say right. that, you know, they were just doing it for, right. you know, well, like, filling a quarter or whatever. Yeah. It would be a great, great message, mm-hmm. I think. But, you know, I mean, you guys like Carrie Mulligan, so she could be in there. That, Emerald Fennel, you look mean. Back uh, no, I, I mean for, oh, for um, actress, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's always a British person winning those things. There's always a British person in there. Daniel Kaluuya can be the one to hold that one down. Yeah. So, yeah, for director, we're all... Chloe, Chloe, Chloe. All of our chips in. Yep. I will say, so with Gold Derby, when you're going through and picking, there's a ranked choice. And, I mean, this doesn't mean anything, I suppose, because I'm... Everything's in on Chloe's out, but I moved Emerald Fennel up. So I don't know if that's a, 
a weird consolation or just expecting that, I guess I'm, I'm just covering all the bases in the event that there is an upset. I feel like that's the way it's going to go. Could you imagine that happening though in a year where Chloe has just won everything? Again, it would be some kind of backlash and she hasn't been involved in anything that would be a reason to backlash her. So I think I, she could lose best picture, but I don't think she can lose best director. And that could be your way of getting promising young woman in there. That could be the surprise that people aren't expecting. You think that that could be the surprise for best picture? Yep. Yep. Uh, you look at the other ones. Okay. Uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, no. Um, the father, no. Mank, no. The father, no. Mank, no. Um, Sound of Metal, no. So it's it's kind of down to Promising Young Woman versus Nomadland. Well, we've got Minari and Chicago 7. But Minari would have to show some bigger strength beyond Best Supporting Actress. It would have to have won and that watch these things if they win some of those early awards that could say there's a groundswell for something but i don't know i love minari and if it won i would be happy with minari i really would but i think it's too it's too green book if nomadland doesn't win there's going to be a lot of questions of what was the math that led to that happening like what were the two films or three films that drafted off of that to take it down i suppose not to <laughs> make it sound like it's you know, some SmackDown type uh, Royal Rumble. Honestly, the, the, the thing is, too, that at least of the, the ones that are nominated, and um, Chris, I think we were talking beforehand, um, there was like a, a, a kind of viral thing going around on Twitter of like all the nominees over the past like 40 years and like which ones you would keep and which ones you would get rid of. You had to pick, what, three, I think. Of the past um, 40 years. Yeah, of, of like the best picture winners. And there were a lot of ones that are like I most people don't think about anymore, don't talk about anymore. And like for this class, the only one that would actually like, you know, stand a chance and live past this year would be Nomadland. So like for no other reason than that, it, that makes it makes sense to like recognize it and like cement it as that sort of movie that's going to live outside of this year. Whereas in the past, I feel I mean. I mean, since we live in in a year following, you know, Moonlight one and then Parasite one, um, even something like Shape of Water, um, you know, for all of that, I feel like that's if this was six, seven years ago, Trial of Chicago seven would be a shoe in. Yep. Like that would be all, all the money would be on that given this running. Or Mank. Or Mank. Yeah. yeah or Mank. Yeah. They have a, a, a more indie spirit kind of vibe going, you know, where, and Chloe was an independent filmmaker and she did, you know, all this stuff that's, I mean, it's a good one to push with her. Um, Emerald's film was kind of done in a hurry and it wasn't, you know, let's, let's see what we, I mean, I think they, they'll expect bigger things out of her, but look at that, look at how many one name winners there've been. That's like the, just the weirdest thing, isn't it? You look and it's a lot of one name winners. That's a interesting metric to <laughs> factor in. Count them up. I bet there's, a, I bet it's at least a significant portion of the, of the winners 
are one name or one name with the word the before it? Since 2000, we've had Gladiator, uh, Chicago, uh, Crash, uh, The Departed, um, The Artist, Argo, uh, Spotlight, Moonlight, and Parasite. There's your theory. Yes. It's not an accident. So yeah, Nomadland seems likely to win. Do you guys feel like, I mean, we, we can kind of go out on this, but does this feel like a boring year for movies? Obviously, there's a lot of no, reasons no, for that. No, 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 no. There were good movies this year. It's that just it lasted too long. If we weren't talking about it still in April, it would have been a good year. So you feel like yeah. the, the fact that the Oscars pushed it, was that necessary? Well, they needed them? to have some kind of, they, they wouldn't have gotten those movies out right away. They would have kind of held them because they didn't know if anybody would go see them or what their streaming deals were going to be. What's next year going to be like? Are they going to move the qualifying times or are we just going to get, what, eight, eight months of movies? Well, we're going to get deluged with every single film that was supposed to be Oscar bait last year is going to be going up against the ones that were already in the pipeline to be Oscar bait for 2021. And so I don't know if that translates to a whole bunch of really good films um, or if it's going to be like Lincoln's a great film, but eh, I don't care. <laughs> like, like there's so, so many films that, you know, that have one best picture that are eh, like you don't really go back to for whatever reason. Time will tell if Nomadland or Minari or Chicago 7 ends up being a film like that, regardless of win or lose or mank. But I mean, and I'm already on record as saying that of the films in Best Picture running, mank is the one I think that is going to be canonized after the fact as the most rewatchable, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. The question to ask yourself is which of those would you buy? And more likely than not, you don't buy the Oscar winner. No, it'd be Mank. From this are the ones that I would actively want to own and rewatch in whatever and really chase down bonus features and whatever else. Oh man, like the idea of like a David Fincher commentary track for Mank would be fascinating. Or, you know, Bogdanovich doing a commentary track for Mank would be amazing, but... Netflix doesn't really do any of that, which is a shame. Well, I guess they've been kind of outsourcing that uh, criterion, but that's neither here nor there. And I know, Bruce, you have a uh, hard out. I You've got do. a meeting to get to, so I won't uh, keep you guys too much longer. But yeah, so we, uh, I'll post all of our, our comments. And Bruce, because you got to go, you want to... Watch something good at the Oscars. Watch something good at, at the Oscars. <laughs> I'm waiting to see it. Steven Soderbergh is doing the uh, producing. He said it's going to be like a movie. Let's see what that is. I'm really fascinated. Soderbergh, who was not nominated for no. any, anything this year and then has two films coming out in 2021. Even in the worst years, I will watch every minute of the Oscars. It's, it really is interesting. Yeah. And the, you never know what you're going to see. And sometimes just watching the people in the audience that's fun. Yeah. This year, how are they doing that? Are they all going to be around places? You know, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to Great. watch. Yeah. Go see something good at the Oscars. Uh, thank you guys so much. And we'll uh, we'll see everybody next time.
So that is the episode. You can check out the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies we talked about, discover older episodes, and find ways to contact Bruce, Jared, and myself as well if you want. Next time you hear from us, we will be reacting to the ceremony itself. The Oscars ceremony, that is. So make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever it is you listen to your podcast. The show is produced by myself, Bruce, and Jared, and I'm the one who records and edits it. We hope you enjoyed the show and are taking care of yourself out there. As always, thank you so much for listening. 